Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to NFL Draft 2023. Whether you're betting on Will Anderson or Will Levis, players from Houston, Ohio State, Georgia, or anywhere in between, BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered with all the props, odds, promos, and parlays this NFL Draft. Use our promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast, and podcasts aren't live. That's the whole point of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you might be listening. We've got a fantastic show here on the eve of the NFL Draft. Later on, we're going to have Nate Littlefield and Emil Fergoso join us again on the show. They were here last week. They are the co-hosts of the Return of the Empire podcast over at Sacktown Sports, the place that I work. You should check out their podcast. They've got a whole bunch of NFL draft stuff. Emil spent eight hours putting together a mock draft with charts and analysis and all sorts of stuff. We've got a special treat for you tomorrow with Blake Jude's NFL draft analysis. But if you want an eight-hour mock draft by Emil Fergoso pre-Aaron Rodgers to the New York Jets trade, but in fairness, all that does is flip the 13 and 15 picks, so the mock draft basically still holds up. It just means anyone the Patriots might have taken over the Packers might switch, but for the most part, the mock draft is basically exactly the same. You can check that out over at SacktownSports.com and their podcast. I know I'm plugging the place that I work, and they're not paying me to, but Nate and Emil were kind enough to invite me on their podcast, and... For the second week in a row, they'll be joining us on a Wednesday here on the Take It Easy podcast. So we've got NFL draft stuff. Nate really wanted to talk about Anthony Richardson as a deep, deep hatred for the Seattle Seahawks combined with an affinity for Anthony Richardson comes out on today's podcast. And we'll get to that and more today with Nate and Emil. Also, all kinds of jokes because it's a podcast with three people I work with. We're just going to banter and have fun. We all work at a radio station for a reason. So we'll get to that in a second. First, early on in the show, we got to talk about what happened over the last two days in the NBA playoffs. First of all, Tuesday, the scheduling for the NBA was set up absolutely perfectly for my tastes. Because if you've listened to our podcast for the the past couple years, or maybe even most recently in December, every year in week 17 of the NFL season, so the the second to last week of the season, that week is what I call get up out the paint week. 
And it's called get up out the paint week because there's usually one or two results that come in in week 17 that eliminate like six teams from wildcard contention. Every year on December 1st, for the past four years, we've done the Mixies Awards, which is a celebration of mediocrity in the NFL. And there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL. So some teams have been there three years, four years. They've run two years in a row. The the Mixies are a celebration of mediocre teams in the NFL. And there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL. And 70% of those teams get bounced from the playoffs Usually in the same weekend, like one result for like the sixth wildcard team mathematically eliminates like six NFL teams from the playoffs. And so I've dubbed that second to last week of the season, get up out the paint week, because that's normally when we get these teams up out the paint. Sometimes it's week 18, but the last two years, it's been the second to last week of the season. Get up out the paint week. I bring this up because the NBA set up their schedule perfectly for what I call Get Up Out the Paint Tuesday. Because if you look at the NBA schedule from yesterday night, it was three games, all of them 3-1 series, and the team that was up three games to one was a double-digit favorite against the team down 3-1. to one. Boston Celtics, 13.5-point favorites against the Atlanta Hawks in an elimination game. With DeJounte Murray suspended because he apparently shoved a referee. I've never seen, I haven't seen the video still, but apparently DeJounte Murray pushed a referee. The Hawks were ready to go home during the play-in round. The thing was, they were just better than the Miami Heat. And so they fucked around and got the seven seed with just not really wanting to be there. Uh, Speaking of teams not wanting to be there... The Denver Nuggets and Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota in the last regular season game had Jaden McDaniels breaking his hand and ending his season by punching a wall and Rudy Gobert punching Kyle Anderson, his teammate, and getting sent home for the play-in tournament. And then Minnesota fucked around and won the second game of the play-in tournament to get the eighth seed in the West. Anthony Edwards wants to keep playing basketball. I'm pretty sure nobody else on that team really wants to keep playing basketball. But shout out to you, Anthony Edwards, the most efficient player in the NBA playoffs who has scored four, who has played four games. Anthony Edwards is averaging 33 points a game in the playoffs, and he is the most efficient player who has played at least four games, which now everyone's played four games. But Anthony Edwards, the most efficient player who has played at least four games. Now, I'm recording this before the Timberwolves lose to the Denver Nuggets and get eliminated. I'm already writing that in stone. Denver's going to win that game five at home. They're already annoyed they have to come back because Jokic missed a free throw at the end of game four. Get up out the paint, Minnesota, and get up out the paint, Clippers. Clippers are 11.5-point dogs against the Phoenix Suns. So they set the schedule up perfectly because for some reason, the only sweep was the Philadelphia 76ers and Brooklyn Nets series, and that was done Saturday morning at like 11.30 West Coast time. Like That series was already over before Game 3 of bucks and heat or before game three of grizzlies lakers like that series was done on saturday morning and there's only one series that's 2-2 and it's sacramento and golden state and god damn i know 
that doing a pregame podcast uh, or doing a pregame for any basketball game is futile when it's a podcast. A lot of you are listening to this after the result is already in hand for Game 5 of Sacramento and Golden State. I don't know what's going to happen in Sacramento Golden State. By the time you're listening to this, I have probably worked producing the radio broadcast for Golden State Sacramento. But Game 5, that series is going to be fucking nuts. Game 5, Game 6, and Game 7, potentially, of Sacramento Golden State, that series is going to be fucking wild this week. And I'm glad that I get to be in the middle of all of it right here in Sacramento, producing the games on Sacktown Sports. So, it's funny that we had one sweep and one series that was two games to two after four, and six six series that were three games to one. But the thing about those six series that were three games to one... The schedule clustered in such a way that we could get these teams up out the paint. Atlanta Hawks, Minnesota Timberwolves, Russell Westbrook's Clippers, get you up out the paint so that y'all can go home. Maybe you can connect on a flight in Los Angeles tonight and go home to uh, go to Hawaii together. Maybe that's the move. Maybe Atlanta loses at 7:30 West Coast time, flies on over to Los Angeles. The Timberwolves lose to the Nuggets. That game gets done around 8 o'clock West Coast time. They can fly on out to Los Angeles. By the time the Suns are done beating up on the Clippers, they all can meet up at the airport and fly together to Hawaii. Maybe that's the move for the Hawks, the Timberwolves, and the and the Los Angeles Clippers because all of them can get up out the paint. And uh, We've already done eulogies for the Timberwolves. We've done eulogies for the Hawks, Clippers, We'll see what they do with the roster in the offseason before we break down the Clippers, but all three of those teams, y'all can get up out the paint and do it all in one night. But hey, shout out to you, Anthony Edwards. Shout out to you. And for being the most efficient superstar in the first round of the NBA playoffs, trying desperately to will a team that does not want to keep playing basketball against an overmatched Denver Nuggets team that I'm still firmly in the camp of is going to win the Western Conference. Congrats, Anthony Edwards, on your way out the door, headed to Cancun, headed to Hawaii. Let's play one last time your Anthony Edwards parody song, because yes, we have an Ant-Man parody song. It's set to The Man by the Killers, and it's called The Ant-Man. I hope you enjoy. Antler Jaw score. The ball slipped out his hand. Cat and them boys, they won't give a damn. They cheer playing games like they just won the crown. Nothing can bring, can bring Minnesota down. The Ant-Man drives down. D-D-Low's got a kick, D-Low's got a kick it out. The Ant-Man's 21 and... No, no, nothing can break. You can't break him down. Twelve years in the tank. Bed flops like a plank. We got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. Two years in the game, and he's a household name. We got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. When it comes to Wiggins, they never learned. And then Jimmy Butler... Left all the kids burned. The only way they get talent is the top of the draft. 
Victorian Prince and Malik Bees Lee, the Ant-Man's 21. No, no, nothing can break. You can't break him down. 12 years in the tank. Bev flops like a plank. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. Cat's shot, make it rain. GM's affairs in the way. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. The Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man. Twelve years in the tank. Bev flops like a plank. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. Fifteen years away. I'm headed to the Hall of Fame. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. All right, so let's talk about two more stories before we get into Emil Fergoso and Nate Littlefield talking NFL draft. So first of all, watching Jimmy Butler put up 56 points and nine rebounds, fouling out Chris Middleton, having Giannis and Drew Holiday both guarding him, and on the flip side, Jimmy guarding Giannis at times during the game. Watching the Minnesota, watching the Miami Heat up two games to one on the Bucks because Giannis, didn't, Giannis got hurt in game one. Now, in fairness, I think Miami would have won game one regardless of Giannis playing or not. They just shot atrociously bad, and the Miami Heat shot incredibly well. Like Kevin Love was just spraying three-pointers in that game one, so I think Miami would have won game one even if Giannis had played. And then the Bucks winning game two without Giannis, then Miami smoking them in game three without Giannis. I don't know if having Giannis swings at 22 points in favor of the Miami Heat. I still like to believe that if Giannis had been playing the entire series, the Bucks would not be down two games to one. With the Milwaukee Bucks up by 11 in the fourth quarter, Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat from about seven minutes left to one minute left in the game went on a 28-10 to 10 run with all the Bucks starters and Jimmy Butler scored 20 of the 28 points. Jimmy Butler not only scored 56 points and had nine rebounds, he did it efficiently in under 30 shots. In the first quarter and fourth quarter alone, Jimmy Butler had 43 points, 22 in the first quarter, 21 in the fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler fouled out Chris Middleton, as I mentioned earlier, and Jimmy Butler put together a 28-10 to 10 run in which he scored 20 points in six minutes. 
it felt like an experience watching that basketball game on Monday night. And I'm going to wait to do full Bucks eulogy analysis, and I only wanted to talk about the Jimmy Butler performance because the Bucks are 10-point favorites in Game 5, so they'll win that. They'll be favored in Game 6 at Miami. Maybe they'll win that game. And then that sets up a Game 7 in Milwaukee. So, yes, only 13 teams have ever blown a 3-1 lead in the playoffs, I also think of the 13, no team is more equipped to come back from down 3-1 than the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm going to wait until Monday next week because we got uh, NFL draft pregame Thursday, NFL draft postgame on Friday. Actually, it's an NFL draft live show. But the point being NFL draft recap, I'm going to wait till Monday to break down the Bucks heat series and wait until we have the result in hand. I just wanted to talk about Himmy Butler putting up 56 points and nine rebounds, 43 of which came in two quarters, and 20 in the fourth quarter coming in about six minutes to beat the living crap out of the Milwaukee Bucks fully healthy and go up three games to one in that series. It's just incredible to watch, just incredible. It felt like an experience. The the Sacramento Kings-Golden State Warriors game was the highest-rated first-round playoff basketball game in 21 years. Jimmy Butler putting up that performance against the Bucks felt like more of an experience than the incredibly exciting, entertaining Sacramento Kings Golden State Warriors game four. And I got to be a part of it. I was working the radio broadcast for that wild Sacramento Kings Golden State Warriors game that we talked about a little bit on Monday. I was a part of that. I was working the radio broadcast, and it still felt like more of an experience watching Jimmy Butler do what he did to the Milwaukee Bucks than even the Golden State Warriors-Sacramento Kings game that I was a part of. It was just incredible to watch what Jimmy Butler did on Monday. So speaking of the radio station that I work at, on Monday, if you check out the Sacktown Sports YouTube, you could catch me with Kyle Madsen and Chris Watkins doing a radio show together and if you had tuned in to that show you might have heard my voice doing headlines and giving jokes and fitting in where producer may it was actually kind of fun you guys should check it out but as I was working that day um, one of my co-workers had their twitter feed open and I glanced over and I saw the breaking news Adrian Wojnarowski banner with a photo of Ime Udoka didn't see the headline, but I saw Ime Udoka with the breaking news banner from Adrian Wojnarowski. And my first thought was, God damn it, someone hired Ime Udoka as a head coach. The initial instinct of disgust and God damn it being the response, we didn't do enough public pressure to keep Ime Udoka from immediately getting another head coaching job. Now, public pressure was strong enough back in November, and we talked about this not just on our show, but also with Morgan from Australia. We talked about how not having access to information blurs the line on this Ime Udoka story, because the information we do know is that Ime Udoka had an affair within the Boston Celtics locker, uh, within the Boston Celtics facility with presumably a woman who is of lesser stature 
than Ime Udoka, and Ime Udoka potentially had the power to get fired or impact her career. And this led to a one-year suspension by the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics basically let every team know, we'd rather you take him off our hands. We will have no problem giving him permission to interview for jobs. We will have no problem letting him out of his contract. You can have him. And the Boston Celtics' one-year suspension seems to be the moral compass that is guiding Ime Udoka's return. Because when Ime Udoka returned to potentially coach the Brooklyn Nets in November, because remember when they fired Steve Nash, they immediately wanted to hire Ime Udoka, Adam Silver and people close to Joe Tsai, as it was quoted by Sham Sharania, talked him down from hiring Ime Udoka. The Atlanta Hawks were rumored to be interested in Udoka, but they went and got Quinn Snyder, which is a better coaching candidate than Ime Udoka, so they never really got a chance to step into those waters because they got Quinn Snyder. So from November to now, the winds have changed on Ime Udoka, and the public still has no information on Ime Udoka. And because the public does not have access to information on Ime Udoka, and we, me who has some connection but doesn't have connection to NBA front offices to learn this information, we as the general public are clearly missing information that the people in Boston and around the NBA know and has not been made public. Reporters have not gotten involved in this story. No one has put their name to credible journalism around this story, which I don't think has to do with nobody seeking the, the the reporting or the information it's that no one has put put it together into a report that is able to be consumed by the masses with detailed credible reporting and maybe nba journalists are not equipped to this maybe there's confidentiality involved with the the potential victim in this case and her identity and her career prospects uh, maybe it's out of respect for ime udoka's family i know nia long his his ex-fiance has talked before to page six and people magazine about their breakup uh, and the affair and how the Boston Celtics didn't really call her and express concern for her and her child who she had with Udoka. And that was a tipping point on some of the information and also was, and she also said in the reporting, cause I read this um, preparing for the story was that she said, Ime didn't come forward with the information until days before he knew it would become public. She didn't become aware of the affair until Ime knew it was going to be public and he wanted to get out in front of that story. So that's all the information we really have at this point. There's not credible info that the public knows, that mass consumption for the public is available to. However, from the way... I've heard people like Matt Barnes talking when he posted a video, the way I've heard Charles Barkley and Stephen A. Smith talk about it, the way I've heard front office people for the NBA talk about it in press conferences, the way I heard Bomani Jones talk about it on his podcast where he just called a couple people and got access to some of the information around this. It seems to me from people who have more information and are not making that information public that... Within private circles, and that is people within the know and people who work within the NBA, there is an expectation that they know some sort of information 
around this Ime Udoka story and this Ime Udoka suspension and the Boston Celtics gave down a one-year suspension and now that one-year suspension has been served in essence and perhaps that is regarded as enough of a punishment to where based on the information that is privately known they can make the conclusion that we are okay hiring Ime Udoka because he has quote-unquote served his punishment that was handed down by the Boston Celtics and the thing that's difficult from my end on this, for those, I never said this on the front end, but Ime Udoka is now the head coach of the Houston Rockets. The thing that I have to do in this case is give the benefit of the doubt that people in the know with this information privately have done their due diligence on this case. Because in November it was too hot, and now it's cool enough where the Rockets can go out and hire Ime Udoka. And while there's some level of backlash, there isn't really a whole lot of backlash because there's just a lot of confusion from the general public. And not a whole lot of NBA people are necessarily pushing back on it, or Adam Silver's not really pushing back on it. I don't know if they really wanted Ime Udoka to be back in the news, but it doesn't seem like a news story that's really sticking with any kind of gravitas. And... Like I said a second ago, this would be giving the benefit of the doubt to people who privately have access to the information. And in the case of the Boston Celtics, I don't think the Boston Celtics have earned the benefit of the doubt. I also don't think the Boston Celtics have done anything so egregious that they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt in this gray area that the public does not have access to with credibly reported information on this story. So clearly there is information missing that the public does not have and privately is available. Whether it's Ime, whether it's Nia Long, whether it's people in NBA circles, whether it's NBA media reporters who know the information and can't publicly back it up, incredible journalistic reporting because there's a difference between knowing information and being able to report information being able to report information makes you uh, susceptible to uh, libel makes you susceptible to lawsuits you have to have double triple quadruple checking your sources if you're going to make it credible journalism and maybe nba journalists are not equipped to handle this story maybe there's protections for the women involved i don't know the story but i don't know the, the explanation behind it and because I don't know, and because the general public doesn't know, it's hard to have a reaction to this. And like I said a second ago, privately there is more information than what is publicly available. And so to close that gap in information, we either give a benefit of the doubt, or we don't give a benefit of the doubt. Or in this case, we kind of just stay in the middle and don't give it to either, which is why I had the reaction of, oh, oh my God, they're going to make Ime Odoka a coach now, and now we got to dip back into this water now that his one-year suspension by the Celtics has been quote-unquote fulfilled, which we still don't know whether the Celtics gave a just punishment or too lenient a punishment or maybe even too harsh a punishment, although I don't believe it's too harsh because when Brooklyn tried to hire Ime back in November, it was too hot to touch and Adam Silver and people close to Joe Sy intervened and told him, don't do this, and basically said, no, you cannot hire this person. And when it, was too when it was too hot to handle in November, that was clearly not enough time privately. And now privately, it has been enough time, presumably, now that the one-year suspension has been handled. And like I said a second ago, 
the Boston Celtics, I don't necessarily know if they deserve the benefit of the doubt, but they haven't done anything so bad that they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. The Houston Rockets, they do not deserve any benefit of the doubt on this one. In part because of their track record of hiring a black head coach to clean up the mess after Mike D'Antoni left and James Harden was clearly ready to bolt out of there. Hiring a black man to clean up the job the same way the NFL is being sued for discriminatory practices. For mob boss, Vegas restauranteur, and UFC guy Tillman Fertitta. Also, good friend with Donald Trump, Tillman Fertitta who is the owner of the Houston Rockets, he for sure does not get a fucking benefit of the doubt on this one. When we're talking about his track record of Vegas restaurateur, big money in the UFC fight game with Dana White, and good friends with Donald Trump, yeah, Tillman Fertitta ain't getting the benefit of the doubt on this one. Because if I'm going to do doesn't really respect the boundaries of women within the workplace... Tillman Fertitta, even if he personally may be respectful, he's someone who his morals and ethics probably do not align with that of someone who is hiring a coach with a moral and ethical scandal that cost him a year of his NBA career and we don't have public information to. So the Houston Rockets and Tillman Fertitta, they do not get the fucking benefit of the doubt on this one. No siree. So the Houston Rockets and Tillman Fertitta... They're the people I'm looking at and saying, you probably didn't do your due diligence on this one. I'm going to be overly cynical on this one because of reputation, and I'm going to be overly cynical on this one because the Boston Celtics haven't given me reason to be overly cynical. They went out of their way to make this public and give Ime a suspension. They went out of their way to not try and bring him back after promoting Joe Missoula from third on the bench last year to head coach. The Celtics from all accounts, have done okay and gone out of their way to, at the very least, not be unethical or not be morally abhorrent. They have gone out of their way to be decent, which maybe is not a high enough bar for our sports teams. I can't knock them for being indecent the way I can probably assume the Houston Rockets will be indecent around this one because... They fired Mike D'Antoni three years ago. Steven Silas came in knowing they were going to tear this thing to the ground, knowing they weren't going to try and compete, and knowing that they had to finish in the top four in the lottery because all of their draft picks were going to Oklahoma City if they didn't end up in the top four of the lottery. The reason they got Jalen Green is because that draft pick was top four protected and they ended up with the number two pick. The reason they got Jabari Smith is because that pick was top four protected and they ended up number three in the draft. I think they get to keep their pick no matter what this year. There's no pick swap scenario in there for the Houston Rockets. But the point being, like, Houston is in a position where they weren't trying to compete for three years and they hired the black coach to clean up the mess and then immediately hired the scandal-ridden coach of the Boston Celtics to replace that coach. And granted, it's not a situation where it's a scandal-ridden white coach, but it is a scandal-ridden coach immediately going in there. And historical precedent says that this is Tillman Fertitta just hiring the guy that he wants because he's the rich and powerful owner of the Houston Rockets who traffics in Vegas restauranteering and the UFC. 
I'm going to say by association a misogynist, by being good friends with Donald Trump, I'm going to go by association misogynistic on Tillman Fertitta. And so they don't deserve any of the benefit of the doubt on this one. And you could point to the Houston Rockets and really start to question, and maybe they'll do this at the press conference when Ime gets introduced. Hey, did you do your due diligence on this one? Hey, why are you hiring this person when publicly we don't have access? What information do you have that led this led to this decision where we decided to hire Ime Udoka? And look, Tillman Fertitta is rich and powerful, and these NBA press cores are set up in such a way that the rich and powerful don't really have to answer questions unless they want to. And alcoholic Vegas restauranteer Tillman Fertitta, who traffics in the UFC and is good friends with Donald Trump, and altogether, I'm just going to assume not a great guy, that Tillman Fertitta is probably not going to have to answer any questions he doesn't want to. And if the Houston Rockets, if the Rockets so choose, they could follow the Cleveland Brown path and never make Ime Udoka answer a difficult question. But if you're not going to make Ime Udoka answer difficult questions, why do you want him as the leader of your basketball team in the first place? The same way I couldn't understand why, I mean, it's a little more understandable with the sexual predator going from Houston to Cleveland and him being the quarterback who they can protect and never make him have to answer questions. And before the first preseason game, doing a scripted interview with, uh, I, I, I want to say it was Enrique Agumbawale, who works for the Browns, like doing a scripted TV interview before the first preseason game. And all of a sudden he's, he's, he's made his public statement, even though he didn't say anything or act contrite at all. Like I, I could understand a little bit more protecting the sexual predator as your quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. I don't understand protecting Ime Udoka if you want him to be the leader of your basketball team. Like, you're not going to be able... He answers questions after every game. And look, maybe the press corps in Houston is afraid of losing their credibility. Maybe Tillman Fertitta has a bit of a fear over taking away media credentials this is the Houston Rockets man you gotta you gotta start asking those hard questions to Ime Udoka and maybe it'll take national reporters getting in there with stronger protections from their employers to ask those questions of of Ime Udoka but if you want Ime Udoka to be your head coach you like make him answer the hard questions on this stuff and maybe if he does answer the hard questions, you could be a little less cynical, but the Houston Rockets do not deserve the benefit of the doubt on this one, and they're the people we could look at and really start to question around this case, because the Rockets, Tillman Fertitta, that organization does not deserve the benefit of the doubt, clearly on this one. And so if there is no public access to information, Doing real journalism by going straight to the source on Udoka, and at least for the introductory press conference, going straight to the source on Tillman Fertitta, maybe even general manager Raphael Stone for the Houston Rockets. Like, maybe you could go to them on the information, or maybe you just have to go directly to Udoka and just keep pressing him on it as he moves into this job as head coach of the Rockets. I mean, we'll see what ends up happening and. Maybe we'll get more answers in the coming days or week or so. I think nobody nobody has earned the benefit of the doubt on this one, and benefit of the doubt is necessary when we're talking about this gap in information between what is publicly available and what is privately available. And I'm going to presume on this one that the Rockets, more likely than not, did not do their due diligence and just wanted to hire Ime Udoka. And 
unlike the Brooklyn Nets back in November, the Houston Rockets were given the green light, or at least not given the red light by Adam Silver and people close to Joe Psy. I mean, they were at least not given the red light on the hiring. So, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening in the grand scheme of things. There's a lot that can change over the next week or so. From where things stand right now, the Rockets should be the people who really are getting questioned over this move. We're having a lot of fun here talking football, talking that. A lot of Cardinals talk today. I should have expected that, though, with Kyle. Yeah. But uh, I know real. I this is something I've wanted to get in with you for a couple weeks and we haven't been able to sure we need to talk about quarterbacks in the draft yes i think we do i know it's not there is relation to the 49ers specifically no. i want to talk about anthony richardson wait wait, wait. yeah yeah and him okay. possibly going to seattle you just intrigued my interest yes i've been wanting to talk about this guy for a while and now that you guys are here we are kind of yeah we're getting you know we got a little bit of time here i want to talk about him and the potential of because bryce young he's going to go number one is, is that where we are right now no it's, it's basically been confirmed now like yeah. he canceled all the meetings with the other teams the odds are astronomical that he's, he's going to be from the one what pick. i heard this morning they were waiting on his weight to come in and then he came in at 205 even though he's going to play at 190 or whatever and he's going to go he's going to go at number one yeah the so. panthers have basically given him assurance he's going to be number one okay so Look, i i Let's Look. say he goes at one. Shh. Okay. For sure. this, for yeah. this, for sure. this. Sure. Okay. Seattle is picking, they're picking fourth overall? Five. Five overall. Do you think, do you both think Anthony Richardson, first of all, is going to go there? Yes. Should go there? And will he, what What do you expect from him in the NFL? Me or Emil? Go first, Kyle. You okay, first. me. Yeah. Cool. So, Anthony Richardson is super intriguing because... So again, shout out Blake. He's really good at scouting. Shout stuff. out Blake. Shout out Blake. Yeah. So Blake Jude, Stripe Pipe Cincy. Follow him wherever you get Instagram stuff. Anyways, so basically his his scouting is this: basically, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are the two best quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson's a clear number three. Will Levis is a clear number four. So let's operate under the assumption that the Texans are going to take C.J. Stroud. It's not a guarantee, but let's operate under the assumption the Texans are going to take C.J. Stroud. In that scenario, I would assume Richardson is going to be the next quarterback off the board, which... You never know, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Colts have brought in Will Levis a couple times, but like, I presume either the three pick is going to be traded for a team that wants a quarterback, or the Colts are going to pick a quarterback there. So, if Richardson falls, Seattle's taking him, like you said. Like, Oh, yeah. Okay, so you guys think foregone conclusion. Yeah. They want him bad after they paid old man Geno Smith. Richards, okay, let me say this right now. Yes. Je- Anthony Richardson is not leaving the top five. He is okay. not getting out of the top five. Okay. I'm telling you this right now. The Seahawks had the best interview out of every team with Anthony Richardson. He said, and I quote, it just clicked when it. When a player says that about organization, about Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, when a player just clicks with someone, that's usually an indication that they really want to go there and there's a lot of mutual interest. And what's the best situation for Anthony Richardson? Sit a year or two behind an experienced quarterback like Geno Smith and just learn the game. Or even if it's just eight weeks and Gino reverts back to old Gino. Or or whatever. Kyle, that is my dream. Yes. I (laughs) hate the Seahawks. Oh yeah, yeah. Get to it. to the end. I hate them so much. I hate them so much, and I'll never stop hating them. 
I really, I really won't. I, the Chiefs, I get it. My, uh, my thought process is let's, yeah, let the Seahawks take Anthony Richardson. I just, I, it, I know Gino had a great season last year and he had the most passing yards in Seahawks history for a season, right? Yeah. Well, obviously it's 17 games, so he gets that, but he missed a game, did, or no. Did Gino get hurt last year for a game or two? He might have. Anyway, he played the playoffs, doesn't matter. Whatever, yeah. whatever. Uh, I just, I really don't know about Anthony Richardson. I think it's a high risk, high reward situation. Yeah. Yeah, right? But, but the Seahawks can afford that. Yeah, they can afford that right now because they have Gino for three years. Yes, yes, exactly. Which, I mean, will they have Gino for three years if he reverts back, like Kyle said? They can get out of it every year. So whenever yeah, they want, it's a they very can get out easy, of it. easy contract. Like the numbers initially looked very scary, but then you looked mm-hmm. at the, the guarantees, it was like, oh, this is actually like a two year deal, kind of. I like it for Seattle because I don't know if it's going to work for them. Pete Carroll's old. Pete Carroll's 73. Yes, but Pete Carroll also is a old is like a young man but that, that's not young anymore because he's, he's I, just <laughs> taking his shirt off, you running around video and practice. You of him riding on the scooter last year oh my God, I love, in the background? I love Pete. 71. You know, he's 71. I, I'm not a fan of the Seahawks either, but I love Pete Carroll. Love that dude. Uh, I hate him. USC, well, fight on, baby. What do you well, so he kind of screwed over USC, didn't he? A little bit. Sort of. but, you know, the, whatever. The scandal was coming, and he dipped out yeah. before yeah, everything. Yeah, but he did. The, <laughs> whatever. The, the thing Sneaky about, Pete. The thing about high-risk or high-reward picks like that is, you know what is the best place for that? A really well-run organization. Nation. What does Seattle have? A really, really A well-run, well-run organization. organization. For the most part. Okay. All right, I mean, I'm, they're better than most. Better, better than better the Cardinals. Better than most, yeah. Better than the, hey, and that's, you know, and that, and that's not the a, highest bar. But. And that's on God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they yeah. haven't, they oh, haven't drafted yeah. as well, but they also just... They don't make the players pay for their own meals. Let's just say that. No, they don't. And they know when to move on from Russell Wilson and somehow make it work out. Oh, my God. I thought, yeah. That I, was yeah. so smart, man. God, that, my, in my, hindsight, that was such a good move. My, la- my, last, my last thing on, on Anthony, just before I move on here. If he doesn't go to Seattle at five, he goes to Detroit at six. So okay. I'm obviously plugged into the uh, the Cardinal spaces quite a bit. And, oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have a podcast. Interesting. Um, no clue. So the three pick is open for business, clearly. Oh, yeah. And the team that would trade up, I can't imagine they're trading up to draft Will Levis. I can't imagine that that's a situation would be a team. Detroit? Who, any team? or just, So yeah. there's one team that... The rumors, the reports, the articles being written. Watch out for Tennessee at eleven. I've heard they're this, d- man. But they're they're the most. They're done with Malik. They're the they most are. intrigued. The Titans, like they're making a list because like the Raiders aren't interested, the Falcons aren't interested, the Seahawks aren't interested. Thank God. Like it's it's Tennessee at eleven is the team that's like most eager to move up, and yeah. I think the thing they're banking, I think. The Texans also know this, which is why you're hearing a lot of like, well, the two pick is available for trade if you want it, because the Texans... No, it's not. The Texans want to make the Titans think C.J. Stroud is available. The the Texans want to make the Titans squirm. They want to make the Titans use all of their picks and no longer have a future. That's that's the point. <laughs> yeah, but they would also get C.J. Stroud or Will or Anthony Richardson, which would which be... I don't know if that works out in the Titans organization. Hey, I don't know if Bryce Young works out in the Panthers organization, but we're going to oh, find God. out, aren't we? Yeah, uh, that that turf field worries me with Bryce Young. That really does. 
Oh. Band turf. I'm on that. I'm on that train. Been on that train since oh, 2020. Uh, yeah, been on that train since week two of Not, 2020. Niners lost Emmanuel Moza because of that crap. Uh, Niners have lost several. They've lost Nick Bosa because of that. They've lost a lot of people. Because you will, of that you will be the on Jets. the right side of history. Yes, yes. I think it's time to get rid of turf, everybody. Yeah. That's and my, turf. Also, Anthony Richardson, he hit the roof throwing a ball, so he's yeah, going to be trash. So did Zach Wilson. So that helps hey, the hey, There we go. There we go. Look, <laughs> I think okay. I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna defend Anthony Richardson. I really am. I really like this guy. I just don't know what it is. He has the intangibles, and I get it. It's high risk, high, high risk, high reward. But he reminds me so much of Josh Allen. I've never watched tape on him, so I'll take your word for it. Like I, I I've watched tape, man. I, he makes some poor decisions sometimes. His accuracy needs to get better. Yes, that all comes with time. But like he actually genuinely cares about getting better at the game. Honestly, I don't know the answer to this. How good were his receipt was his receiving core? In they weren't. They were. Cr- yeah. They were crap. Well, he did have Kyle Pitts for like half a season. But. Okay, Sh- sure. His best wide receiver was Ricky Pearsall. Do you guys know who that is? No, no, wait, you don't. Wait, wait. Kyle Pitts. He had Kyle Pitts for half a season. Are you sure about that? Because in 2020, no, he didn't have Kyle. Pitts. No, I don't think he did. In he was 2020, less, it was only a one-year starter. He threw one ball. Yeah. Oh, okay. And they were just yeah, saying it was yeah. like a, was a one, one, one and a half. Oh, because sorry. in 2021, he, he threw 38 balls. I'm thinking so. of Kyle that Trask. Doesn't, that doesn't count, really. I'm okay. thinking of Kyle Trask. That's oh, not Kyle Trask. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. you're thinking of, yeah. Kyle Trask. And it, look, where was I? I was talking about... You were defending the honor uh, of Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Oh, I was saying that. Thank you. I was defending <laughs> the honor of Anthony Richardson and in, in, in Ricky Pearsall. Their best receiver was Ricky Pearsall. The reason why I know who this guy is, he went to Arizona State while I was at Arizona State. He was a good receiver, but not a number one. By any stretch of the imagination, Brandon Ayuk was number one in that offense, not Ricky Pearsall. Okay, Ricky Pearsall is a fine receiver, not an NFL receiver, but a fine receiver. And that's your number one receiver, and you're making you know lemonade out of lemons. I genuinely feel good about that, and I just think the overall talent of this guy is going to outweigh the cons because the talent is just there. Yeah, and the thing that's interesting, I don't know how plug people are into college football, but basically Florida fired their coach, everyone transferred out, they kind of had to fill yeah. their roster with transfer portal guys this yeah. year, so... It was a rough year for them. Yeah, this was a was, first year with a new coach who might work out, might not, we'll still find out later. It but, wasn't perfect, but Anthony Richardson sold the spotlight for a lot, okay. a lot of that. Okay, that's that's what I needed to know. I also needed to know that um, he, beat, to know? he beat out Jalen Kitna, who I believe is John Kitna's son, yep, who was in correct. the NFL for 500 years. Correct. Um, so shout out John Kitna. Also, I think Jalen Kitna got in some legal. Yeah, trouble. I was yes, gonna he say did. he got arrested <laughs> he for did. something, which is part of the Florida allure. But whatever. Yeah, whatever. yeah, but that's did, some Florida. But, but oh, on something really bad yeah. too. So let's uh, yeah, let's yeah. let's not let's not go there with Kitna. Oh, yeah, yeah, my with Kitna. goodness. Okay. I need to look yeah. this up. No, now. let's not. No, <laughs> let's not go there with Kitna. We 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 hope for the best with his future endeavors. Yeah. Um, so okay, let's let's touch on one more thing. We're we're going we're going long here. It's because we have we have a great guest today. I know, but um, I can talk for hours. Let's man. talk. I just looked it up. Oops. <laughs> let's talk. Forty nine ers specific draft you have on here. Emil writes our beautiful rundown. I'm I'm talking like I wrote it. Uh, but <laughs> no, it's uh, fine. Uh, the question you have asked us is, do you think the Niners take a running back in the third round? <laughs> it's tradition. Yeah, that's it's why, tradition. That's why I had yes. to throw it out and there. And then on top of that, do they draft a QB? I'll do the QB one. I think this is short and simple, yes. Yes. I think they grab a QB. Mm-hmm. Why not? 100,000 picks. You know, you would, look what you did with Purdy. You got an irrelevant. Why not? Trust Kyle. Let's let's see what happens. If they do one, it'll be a, it'll be a late-round selection for a quarterback, yes. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell. 
Aiden O'Connell. Look at you. I don't know. I'm just throwing out names here. That's nice. That's <laughs> good. A, he, he played a thousand years at Purdue and never played a meaningful game. I think the one guy they're really interested in, I'm just going to throw this out there, is Dorian. Dorian. Uh, oh, DTR. DTR. Thank you. Yeah, Dorian, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Robinson. Yes, thank yes. you. I always mess his name. And they, I met with him. they met with him, what, yeah. two weeks ago, right? They, they met with him last week. Last week? Last Friday. Yes. He was at the facility. Yeah. And he had a private workout with them a week prior. So that tells me that it went really, really well. They liked him because of his versatility. They like him because he's a dual threat guy. He can run the he can run the option. Kind of similar to Trey Lance can run certain things. Now, I won't say I've done a ton of DTR film study. I haven't, but I have seen him play in college. I was in person at the at the Rose Bowl when he, when they played ASU and UCLA in the twenty twenty one season. Yes, in twenty twenty one season. Jason Ross will be happy if we draft him. We'll yes, say that. yes, he will. Jay Ross, big UCLA guy. Yes, I don't know if he's a big DTR guy, but he might be. He might be. Big, we might look, need to get him on DTR. Is a four or five year starter that got better under Chip Kelly every single year. He still has to work on his accuracy and just kind of overall awareness kind of thing. So that's obviously an issue. But his ability to just be a, a gamer is what the Niners like like about these quarterbacks. They want cheap guys that have a lot of experience that know what they're doing that don't fall under pressure. And DTR doesn't. DTR has played in a lot of big games in the Pac-12. That's important. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I think I I. I think they do take him. I really do think they take him since I met with him. Yeah, I think I really think he will be a 49er. Will he make the 53? Eh, I don't know. Depending I, yeah. on where we're at with this whole Purdy situation, uh, don't they? Isn't yeah, there a new they rule where him. they keep three quarterbacks now? Isn't that a new because rule of the Niners? Does they that implement they didn't, they didn't, they this year? I think that, it, no. yeah. Okay, they brought it up and they, I think it got tabled. Yeah, yeah, I think it got tabled. Okay, so never mind. Then. Let's Maybe. let's get into this running back thing. Oh, do you think Niners take quarterback? Uh, sure, maybe I don't know. Okay, uh, great. <laughs> sure, maybe <laughs> great, I don't know. Great. It's Kyle. You never know. Dorian Thompson. Okay. Dorian Thompson Robinson would be interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I I, would. I wouldn't have guessed that the 49ers would be a team interested in him. Well, it's either Another him LA or or Fresno State's Jake. Uh, ha- oh, ha- Jake Hayner, college Thank football Hayner. legend. Thank yeah, you, Jake, <laughs> Jake Hayner. So excited. Jake Hayner. Jake Hayner's fun because he's someone who just like breaks his rib and then like puts it back into place and goes back out there. Like that mm-hmm. dude has had so many injuries in college. That sounds like just, a 49er. Right yeah, there. that yeah. definitely. That sounds like Brock, yeah. That yeah. dude. That dude has yeah. broken every bone in his body and just carried Fresno to a pack. Danville native, by the way. I believe. Jake Hayner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just want to throw that out. There. I said, mm-hmm, like, I know I was just saying, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, he's a local guy. Yeah. He was at the local pro day this, this week. Yep. Um, yeah. That's important. I'm a big, uh, big mountain West guy. So Jake Hayner Possibly. legend. Uh, I pegged you as a mountain West guy from San Diego. So yeah. checks out. I, uh, San Diego if state. <laughs> yeah. No text. All right. Running back third round. The Niners currently they're They're, they're running with four, Running backs, McCaffrey, Mitchell, Ty Davis, Price, Jordan Mason. I don't think they take a running back in the third round. I think Kyle gets his guys when, I mean, the early running backs haven't really worked out for the Niners. You look at, um, oh my God. Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon in the most recent history beat out by Jordan Mason, an undrafted guy. Yeah. So. I, I don't think they take him that early. Kyle might if he really falls in love with someone, but also they have the depth. They already have great player. It'd be just I, I I don't I don't I don't know. Look, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Fool me twice, shame on me. I, I I can't say for sure if they're they're not going to take a running back, but excuse me, it would be incredibly foolish for them to take another running back when they have four on the roster already. That I just don't see the point. In doing that, like I just, they have four running backs who have shown meaningful contributions to the team, including Ty Davis Price 
even after he got hurt, he had some meaningful run. And Jordan Mason is their like Legarrette Blunt. They love that dude. Oh my I love God, Jordan he's Mason. Awesome. Yeah, he's I a great third love, down back. He's dude, so yeah. I was at training camp last year watching Trey Sermon versus Jordan Mason. I was like, Jordan Mason's going to beat Trey Sermon out for this roster spot. Like he's just better. I, I can't. Mm-hmm. He just he's just a better player. And here we are now. What I love too is the diversity at running back. All four of these guys are different. Oh yeah. And obviously McCaffrey's different. Uh, McCa- I mean McCaffrey's different, different in the way that he does everything. Yeah. Does everything, but like uh the way you compare Jordan Mason to Ty Davis Price, they are just like it's like finesse versus a bowling ball. Like going just downhill guys, so different situational guys. So like if yeah. Eli's out, they uh Kyle can use them in any way. It's so yeah, I, you said if you mean when Elijah yeah, when, Mitchell's out. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I saw Elijah, that smirk I love coming. You. Yeah, yeah. I love you, but you just sprained your MCL twice. God, we, I think in the season. Twice? Uh, hopefully, as an RB two, he stays healthy all season. With you know McCaffrey getting, he's such a good change stuff. of pace running. Back. Well, that's yes. assuming McCaffrey stays healthy all season, which is uh, he did know. last year. And that's, you see those abs, Kyle? I'm gonna play those like a xylophone, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> picking running backs not the worst idea for them, but the other thing is bringing At, the and the third round though. That's where I was going to bring it up, okay. which is yeah. one you mentioned they have eleven comp picks or whatever it is this year, and two, this is a really really deep running back class this year. There's so many running backs that are going pro, so if you want to wait and get like Kenny McIntosh from Georgia or the guy from Tulane or yeah. uh the guy I'm trying to remember what school it was, but he ran for like 300 yards in a bowl game this last oh, year. Uh Frank, McBride, Dwayne McBride from I was uh, thinking of Frank Gore's kid. That's another he's not in the draft yet, but Chill, Auntie, uh, chill. That Dwayne, guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> chill, Auntie. Yeah. Dwayne McBride from from UAB. Deuce Vaughn is in the draft this year. That's, he's he's Deuce probably Vaughn's not going to Deuce Vaughn's a dog, dude. Though. If you want Deuce Vaughn, he's probably not going to get picked. You that, can get him undrafted. That would be a Niner guy. I would I would not be surprised. And hey, after the draft, we're going to sign Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, there's there's an Oklahoma guy. There's so many running backs in this class. So just use one of those eight sixth round picks and draft a running back if you're going to do it. I'm with it. Yeah, yeah. It's not in the third unless I mean I always trust Kyle if he wants to do if I just just from what we've seen in the past I I don't I wouldn't be ecstatic, but uh, you know. <laughs> Do what you well, got to do. Kyle. They're going to use one of those picks to draft a kicker. I'm just going to say that right now. They're going to draft a kicker. They're going to draft Jake Moody out of Michigan, probably. You don't like Zane? Zane Gonzalez is a Niner? You didn't yeah. know this? Yeah. He's a Niner for like three yeah. weeks and they traded yeah. for him. Yeah. They, oh, man, you're screwed. They tra- oh, former ASU. Come on now. Forks up, baby. ASU. Forks up, baby. Forks Go up, Devils. baby. What do you mean? Go Devs, man. <laughs> Go Dev. What are you Forks talking about? Up, doggy. No, no if Zane, if Zane Gonzalez is your kicker, you need a kicker. Well, it's a step down from Robbie Gold, obviously. Oh, it's a jump down from Robbie it's Gold. You're jump, yeah, you're leaping down the stairs. But hey, look, it's still another kicker to have. You're, you're spraining your ankle from Robbie Gold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look, I'm not always thrilled with rookie kickers, but Jacob Moody has the makings of being a good kicker, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I would not be surprised if them take Jake Moody in the sixth round. If you got 11 comp picks, why not? Yeah. They need a kicker, man. They just need another kicker. Draft a kicker. Draft a safety. I recommend JL Skinner from Boise. Ooh. Another, another Mountain West guy. See, this is why we brought you in, Kyle. Well, you got names. You got, yeah, you know well, what you're talking well, about. Well, here's, here. the, here's like, the reason why. Half I, this podcast. Here's the reason why I wanted to shoehorn that one in. One, he's a safety, but he's more of a linebacker, so he'll yeah. be like an off-ball guy like that. He'll play, uh, sub, play sub a lot. Yeah, the reason the reason I just want to throw him out is because he I went to high school with him. Oh, did you and, really? Uh, yeah, he, me and him were, we, we used to do workouts together in like the seventh grade or something. Shout out, so. Jay. 
Hell. So yeah, I just wanted to shoehorn that name. What in kind there. of workouts were you guys doing? Uh, mostly running, occasional kicking or. No, he would do football type workouts because okay. he he's also a good basketball player. But yeah, JL's a beast. He got a pec injury in the in the Mount West Championship yeah. game, but that's going to hold them back possibly. But he, he might fall to the third round, and the Niners can pick him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him fall the third or fourth round. I wouldn't. Yeah, shout out JL. Shout I have, out JL. Not that he doesn't have talent. JL. I'm just saying that having an injury going into the draft is never a good thing. I mean, someone's going to steal Andrew Voorhees for for like cheap because of, because of, because yeah. of the. Um, ACL tear or Achilles tear, I think it was. Yeah, don't don't use your first pick on a running back unless it's Bijan. Never use your first pick on a running back unless it's Bijan. Unless it's Bijan or uh, Jameer Gibbs. Eh, even Jameer Gibbs, I don't think is a first round guy. People are in love with Jameer Gibbs. No, I, I know people who are in on him and think he's a first round guy. I'm just people were in love with Najee Harris too. Yeah, but Najee Harris has been great. He's been great. He's been great. Yeah, but it's just it's. First round, like, is that what the Steelers needed? It depends on the guy you're picking. It's not about how good the player is. It's about the value of the running back now has jumped, is like, I don't, the stock has gone straight down for running back. Yeah. I don't think the Steelers regret picking Najee, though. Like, that pick didn't turn out bad. They just have not supported him with an offense in the time. They don't have an offensive line. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Or or quarterback. quarterback. They have Pickens. Don't, Don't speak bad about George Pickens now. Okay, maybe Pickens will turn into something. But he is something. I'm a big Pickens guy, dude. <laughs> okay, it's natural talent, man. Okay, uh, sure. I think Kenny Pickett's the problem, but whatever. Well, I mean, Kenny Pickett was probably drafted too high. Um, yes, he but was. But anyways, yeah, the, feel good story though. You got to draft him high for the story. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you have a, if you have a premium pick, maybe you could take Gibbs in the first Here's round. The but if if he's your if he's your t- first pick, now just take one of those six corners. And be fine. I don't even care what team it is. Just take a corner over Gibbs. I just wouldn't be surprised seeing a contending team be like, hey, Jameer Gibbs is on the board. Do we want another playmaker? Heck yeah, we do. And then just draft Yeah, him. but if the Vikings cut Dalvin Cook and then draft Jameer Gibbs, that's just a ridiculous use of a first-round yeah. pick. Yeah. The Saints? I don't know. Alvin Kamara? They could trade him. They, the Saints just signed uh, Jamal Williams from the Lions. Good point. Yeah, they're not going to take Jameer. I always forget. I love Jamal. I actually wish he got a better deal. Swift is going to take over. No, he's, not, he's only going to play three games. Yeah, they signed. They they don't yeah. even believe. They signed David Montgomery. No, yeah, they I don't know, believe, dude. They don't even. I don't I know. hope he stays healthy. I don't he's know so why good. they didn't just sign Williams. The videos of Deuce Staley trying to coach up um, um, Swift is incredible. Like, do you guys know who Deuce Staley is? No. Deuce Staley is the running backs coach for the Detroit Lions. The only reason why I know who he is is because one, he played for the Eagles, and he was really good for the Eagles, and mm-hmm. two. He was on Hard Knocks. And Deuce Staley, oh, was he the guy who was just cursing all the time on Hard Knocks? Him and uh, the other coach, Aaron, were just cursing. Oh, the guys who are like friends, who yeah. are like the offense and the defense. Yep. Oh, okay, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Deuce Staley is the shorter one, the running backs coach. Um, Deuce was trying to just get the most out of Swift. And like it's, he struggled too. Because I, I don't think Swift had that killer instinct that he was looking for, that like running backs need to have, that tenacity. And Swift always got hurt. And it was like, if you just like commit to like, the hole and don't second guess yourself. You're gonna do great, and that's the problem. Is he second guesses himself all the time on cuts and stuff? Mm, yeah, I think we need to wrap it up, guys. I think we do. I think we need to wrap it up here, Kyle. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure to come. Yeah, on it really time you guys. flew by here. No, we just did like what an hour and a half. Like we were we were cooking. Oh, uh, we did a little over an hour. Yeah, we were cooking. Yeah, we were cooking. It we was getting cooking. hot in here. It's getting hot and yeah. in fuego. Yeah. Fuego, dude. That's, I think we're still hot from the Kings last night too. Yeah, we're recording this with game two. It was a good time. Purple yeah. gang. Shout, yeah, out, shout gang. out Kings. Shout out Davion Mitchell. We're very happy with the Kings. We're very happy with the Niners. 
We got a draft coming up. We're going to do one more show before the draft. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll do one next next Tuesday or Wednesday, probably after I come back from Niners Media Day on Monday. We're okay. going to have a pre-draft media session, and we're going to talk with some players, talk with John Lynch, usual stuff, and uh, see where their head's at and give a little updates on all the rumors before we uh, get into Thursday. Great. Well, Kyle, thanks again. You want to give your stuff a little shout-out? Uh, yeah, yeah. Take It Easy podcast everywhere you get podcasts. Book is available. If you find the podcast, you can find the book. Uh, if you want more Cardinals, I don't. I doubt anyone here is going to want Cardinals <laughs> stuff. But the, the yeah. memes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you want insight, hear um, about their dinners and how they have to pay for them and how they're very mediocre. You want to hear three straight podcasts about the reports of executives <laughs> talking about harassment? Yes, yeah. you can. Uh, you can check that out. Um, yeah, and then just listen to Sacktown Sports because you you might hear my great, voice. Yeah, Sacktown, yeah. me too. Sometimes we go on shows together. Yeah, not together. We're you know bored. We're there. Yeah, we, yeah, we're there emotionally. Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're there, just connected. not usually at the same time. Yeah, that's very. Make true. Make sure to check out their, these guys' <laughs> stuff and just they're they're awesome. God, we're so awesome. No, God, I'm, check out these guys' stuff. All of that stuff that they're doing. I just put up a YouTube video on Sacktown Sports where we're talking to Kings fans after 16 years. Yeah. And we're interviewing them. Uh, it was me and Simone here on the station. And uh, I'm pretty proud of that one. So check it out. It's pretty. It's good. It's really good. No, these these guys are legends, everyone. Thanks please give them a follow. Nate read Emil's articles, everybody. They also read my yeah. articles. Please, Dang it. please. Read them. Just read them. He's working so hard. He's putting out stuff every day, all day. He all doesn't day. stop. It took him eight hours to do a mock draft. It really did. How it's many like, picks why? did you do? All, all, all the first round. Yeah, all the first I, round. Because I thought about it for like five of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it took me forever to do it because I just had to think about it, like yeah. why the reason was behind it. 20 minutes, you're good. You don't need, no, but, to, you don't need <laughs> to do that. No, but it wasn't just me picking the players. It was me writing descriptions for every single player afterwards. Yeah. Bijan Robinson, big, strong, any team 10 to 21 could take him. Boom, there you go. Every single player had about three graphs to it, okay? It was 4,000 words, okay? All right. <laughs> it was 4,000 words. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.